I was reading an article this morning that was talking a little bit about the lady that um, kind of started Mother's Day. And the article was saying that if she were still alive today, she would regret that she ever came up with this day. <laughs> I heard one yes, and some of you were like, and it just kind of got me wondering, like, why would they, why would she regret it? And the truth is, we really should be honoring, as, as this video says, that we should be honoring our mothers and the ladies in our lives every single day. They do so much. And so, again, ladies, thank you for, for everything you do. Um, as pastor, I see some of the men you have to live with. And let me tell you, amen, Carol Lackey, amen. Uh, <laughs> So, so blessed to have you ladies in our lives and, and in our church. So thank you very much. Um, one of the questions that people often ask, uh, especially when um, they're newlyweds or they find out um, that they're going to be having a baby, they ask the question of what is the role of a mother? And on Mother's Day, that is an appropriate question to ask. Uh, what does the Bible say is the appropriate role of a mother? And I just want to share with you just briefly, because this is not the direction we're going, but just three verses just to kind of remind us of, of what the Bible calls uh, mothers to. And so uh, some of you ladies, you may want to just kind of highlight these verses, but Proverbs chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, it says, Hear, my child, your father's instruction, and do not reject your mother's teaching, for they are a garland for your head and pendants for your neck. And so here we see that a mother is a teacher. In Isaiah 66, verse 13, it says, As a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you. You shall be comforted in Jerusalem. So here we see that a mother comforts. And then Proverbs 31, if you, if you get the chance, um, ladies, to, to read Proverbs 31, starting with verse 10 through the end of the chapter, um, I mean, it, it just it speaks of a woman that is worthy of praise. But verse 15 says, She rises while it is still night and provides food for her household and tasks for her servant girls. And so here we see that she is a person who provides. So there's so many different verses in the Bible, but just to kind of sum up what does the Bible teach us about mothers, it, it says these basic things. One, they're to nurture, they are to protect, they help, they comfort, they provide, they teach, they guide, and dot, 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 and it goes on and on and on. And so basically, ladies... With the help of God, you are truly superheroes. No doubt about it. With the help of God, you, you all do some amazing things. And uh, thank God for, for women in our lives. So this morning, I want to kind of share with you a passage of Scripture that I think is pretty miraculous in itself. Uh, and it's about the mother of Jesus. And I want you to see how she kind of lives out and practices these things that I've just shared with you. So I'm going to be looking in John chapter 19, 
verses 25 through 27. John chapter 19, verses 25 through 27. And I'm going to start kind of in the middle of verse 25, but it says, Meanwhile, standing near the cross of Jesus were his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing beside her, he said to his mother, Woman, here is your son. Then he said to the disciple, Here is your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own home. Let's pray together, okay? Father, as we look into your word, remind us, Lord, of what you're wanting to teach us and show us. And Lord, form us even more into your image. Lord, take away that bent that we have towards sin. And Lord, help us to live the holy life that you've called us to. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. And so, while most Mother's Days people focus on, you know, what is the role of the mother, I want to I look at it from a different angle this morning, okay? And I, uh, basically, I want to look at how Jesus took care of his own mother, okay? Uh, and, and how we can do that. Now, I totally get the fact that... Um, for many of us, myself included, um, our mothers aren't here, okay? Our mothers have passed on. Um, I mean, and there's constant reminders of that. So we're, we're having to go down every single weekend, and Brenda Moon can attest to this because she is in the middle of it too. Um, you get letters from the courthouse saying, if you don't finish this up by this particular time, and for us it's like, we're right at it, <laughs> um, that they're going to send out the sheriff's department to my house, and uh, Brenda can attest to this, right, Brenda? <laughs> and they're going to come, and, and they're going to they're gonna do whatever to you. And so, like, we're in panic mode, and so we're going down there trying to finish all this up, and, and even while we're cleaning up their house, there's a constant reminder of my mother and my father, and so, I mean, it's always there. I could be driving down the road and see a sign, and it will remind you of your mother or your father or whoever who's gone on. And so, like, I, I, I want to start off by saying I get the fact that many of us on days like today, it's difficult because our mothers have passed on, okay? But with that being said, can I share with you that I still have a lot of godly women in my life? So even though my mother's gone, my mother-in-law is still here. And my mother-in-law and I are extremely close. In fact, I was aggravating her this week. Uh, I was at the post office with Pastor Thomas, and the guy began to tell us a joke. And we didn't know how to respond to this, so I called my mother-in-law and told her this joke just to see what she thought about it. And so it goes like this. The gentleman said, do you know what the difference is between an outlaw and an in-law? I said, no. He said, one is wanted. Yeah, that was my reaction. One is wanted. So I called my mother-in-law and said, Doris, what do you think about this? You know? Um, I don't know if she got it at first. I don't know if some of you got it yet. <laughs> All right? 
My mother-in-law and I are close. Um, she has, especially since my mother passed away, she stepped into that role. Um, in fact, that's where Laura's at today. And, and if I could, I would be there with them because of, of the joy that she is in, in my life and how she has nurtured us um, during some very difficult times. There's not only that, but there's women in this church that have stepped up and nurtured me and my family um, from all ages. And so what I'm wanting to emphasize today is, yes, Jesus is focusing upon how he, today we're looking at how Jesus cared for his mother, but I want to apply this to how should we, how should we take care of all women, not just our own mothers, but, but all women. And so I want to draw your attention to just a couple of things that Jesus did, okay? So the first one is this. When you look at this passage of Scripture, you realize that Jesus is aware of his mother's needs, okay? Jesus was aware of her needs. And in doing that, he realized that she needed to be comforted. Now, every mother... Okay, every good mother, whenever their child is going through a difficult time, okay, the mother wants to be right there with them when they're going through it, right? To the point that it will embarrass children at times, okay? So, I mean, just go to a high school football game and watch one of the kids get hurt on the football field. Sometimes the mother will beat the coaches out to the field, right? I mean, they are moving. They, they are out there. Um, and the child's saying, mother, please stop. You know, um, I can remember when I was in high school, my baseball coach and I didn't see eye to eye on things. And my mother said, I'm going to the school. I said, no, you're not. I can handle this on my own. Okay. Mothers want to be there in the midst of when their children are going through a difficult time. And you see this with the mother of Jesus. Jesus is on the cross, and who is there? Mary. Okay? Now, there's a couple ways you could go with this. Why is she there? Okay? Um, and you could look at a couple different areas, but let's just let's assume that she's there, one, because she obviously loves her son, and she's wanting uh, to, to be the mother, do the motherly thing and try to comfort her son in the midst of his pain, right? I mean, sometimes when you're hurting, it is a comfort just to see your mother when you're hurting, okay? And so we see here Jesus is up on the cross, and he looks down and he sees his mother there. Now here's what's interesting is while she may have been there to comfort him, when it says that Jesus looked down and saw her, he realized that she was the one that needed to be comforted as well. Perhaps this is why there were several other women with Mary, because, I mean, notice John gives us a long list of other women who were with Mary. She didn't have to go through this alone. They were there with her in the midst of this. Okay? I've seen this happen even in this church. I saw it happen this weekend when a woman was going through a difficult time. There was another woman in our church who was there with them. Okay, 
And so this is what we see happening even with Mary. And so she's going through this difficult time. Jesus looks down from the cross and he notices that here is his mother and she needs to be comforted. Why does she need to be comforted? Well, can you imagine if something was going through, going on with one of your children and you see your child up on the cross and is dying and is in agony and is in pain? What do you think a mother's reaction would be? Do you think that she would be in tears? I would imagine so, right? C.S. Lewis makes an interesting statement in his book called A Grief Observed. And just listen to this quote. He says, You can't see anything properly while your eyes are blurred with tears. Now hear that again. You can't see anything properly while your eyes are blurred with tears. And so... If we relate that to Mary's situation, and she's crying over her son, to see her son on the cross may have made her see God's plan less clearly. Do you hear me in this? So for example, when Mary found out she was going to be pregnant with the Son of God, it tells us in Luke chapter 1, verse 32, it says this, Gabriel comes and speaks to Mary, and Gabriel says, He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. Don't you think that when Mary saw her son up on the cross, she's reflecting back and thinking, well, wait a minute here. The angel Gabriel told me that he was going to be great, and that he would take the throne of his ancestor David, how can he be on the cross and going to die and yet be on the throne of his ancestor David? And you can imagine, it didn't make sense. And I imagine she probably began to question herself and say, hey, wait a minute, I don't see God's plan in this. Where is God in the midst of this? And I can assure you, folks, that when, and it's not just mothers when they're crying, it's human beings in general. When we're going through a, different, a difficult time and our eyes are filled with tears, we don't always see God's plan clearly either, do we? And we often ask questions as well. And so while her eyes were filled with tears, I'm sure she saw the plan of God less clearly, wondering how Jesus would sit upon the throne of his ancestor David when he was hanging upon the cross. Here's the good news, though. Okay? He made sure, and we're going to talk a little bit more about this in a moment, but he made sure she was surrounded with people who could see the plan of God clearly when she couldn't. Okay? We'll get to that in just a moment. Second thing Jesus does is he provide he provided for her. Okay. So not only was Jesus aware that she needed to be comforted, he was also aware of her needs. She had needs. So he understood that she needed to be provided for. And so some may wonder why Mary's husband Joseph is not mentioned in this passage. Where is Joseph? Why is it Joseph here when his son's going through this? Well, 
pretty simple. Most people believe Joseph had already passed away. And so here is Mary by herself going through this whole situation. And so Jesus was not only concerned about his present condition and the present condition of Mary, but he was also concerned about her future. Who was going to provide for her? And it's for this reason that Jesus told his beloved disciple okay, to care for his mother. We're told that from the hour, that the moment that Jesus said, woman, here is your son, and here is your mother. At that moment, from, that, from then on, that disciple took her into his home. Okay? And so Jesus was making sure that his mother was provided for. Now, here's an interesting thing. Didn't Jesus have brothers and sisters? You ever wondered, well, why didn't Jesus get one of his brothers and sisters to take care of his mother? Wouldn't that be more appropriate for uh, them to do? Which brings me to my third um, thing, is that she needed to be guided. Jesus also realized she needed to be guided. And here's what I mean by this, okay? We find from early in the New Testament, um, in John chapter 7, verse 5, it says that not even his brothers, talking about Jesus, not even his brothers believed in him. His brothers did not believe that he was the Son of God. And it says we don't even find out that they believe in him until after the resurrection in Acts chapter 1, verse 14. That's after the resurrections when they become believers in Jesus. And this is what it says. It says, All these were constantly devoting themselves to prayer together with certain women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, as well as his brothers. That's the first mention we have that his brothers finally became believers, okay? So why would Jesus, when he's upon the cross and his mother's not seeing things clearly, why would he surround them or surround Mary with his unbelieving brothers? That wouldn't help her out any at all, would it? So what does Jesus do? He sends his most beloved disciple, the one who's bought in and says, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, that he is the Messiah, that he is the Son of God. And he says, I'm going to get the one who I know is sold out on God's plan to bring my mother into his home and guide her into God's plan when she can't see it clearly. Now, this is where it gets important for us. Because if we are to be an example of Christ and to imitate Christ in all ways, Ephesians chapter one, uh, chapter 5, verse 1, says that we're to be imitators of God. We're to follow his example. If we're to follow his example, we have to ask these questions and look at our own life to see if we are providing and guiding and, and taking care of those women in our life. So here's a couple things I want to ask. Number one, okay? How are you comforting the loved one in your life that may not be able to see God's plan clearly? Whether it's a mother, a child, grandmother, a father. How are you comforting them in their moment when they are not being able to see God's plan clearly because of what they're going through? Are you able to comfort them 
and help them to see things that they may not be able to see. Secondly, we too need to provide for our family in the present and in the future. In the present and in the future. As Christians, we can't just think about the here and now. Now that's a very worldly mindset. Okay? People want to know what they can get here and now. Just recently I was talking with a, with a lady and um, she was telling me about something and she said, you know, I want instant gratification. She's only worried about the here and now. Here's the thing about the Christian life. The Christian life says, yeah, it, the here and now is important, but something much better is to come. Okay? So we live here in the here and now, and we exist in the here and now, but our hope is in what is coming. Okay? And so we have to think about the future, and we need to put more of an importance upon the future than we do in the here and now. Then the last thing I would draw your attention to is we need to guide our families. Okay? And how are we doing this, folks? Are we guiding our families in the ways of God, even if this means surrounding them not with family blood, but with family of God? Okay? And so are we putting people in our family's life that's going to help guide them in the direction that they need to go and to follow God's will and God's plan. I'm going to ask uh, Matt to come up and Thomas, the praise band. Um, what I want us to do is to just spend a few moments. I don't want you to sing along with them. I just want you to reflect where you're at, okay? And ask yourself, how are you doing in this area of your life? Are you taking care of those that God has entrusted to you? your children, your parents. Just recently, Thomas came up to me and he said, hey, I want to do such and such with my dad. And I looked at Thomas and I said, Thomas, go and do it quickly because you're never guaranteed. You're never guaranteed. I said, if you have a plan that you want to do with one of your parents, you need to do it and you need to do it ASAP, okay? And I would share with you that as Christians, okay, don't push off what God's calling you to do with your family, okay? Because you're not guaranteed. Do it today. If you could do it today, do it today. You know, my philosophy is when it comes to spiritual things, we should have done it yesterday, okay? Get it done as quickly as possible. When Laura's dad passed away, I had a, um, a moment with him right before he went into surgery, and many of you know this. But I reflect upon that moment now and think, you know, why did I wait so long to share Christ with him? Why did I wait till he was going into surgery? Why didn't I share that with him even before he went into that moment? You know, and maybe it was, you know, you justify things and you think, well, maybe it's because he wasn't ready and, and God's timing's perfect. But still, I would challenge you not to wait until the last moment. Okay? Make the most of the time you have to guide your family in the ways of God. To pray for them and to nurture them, to make sure they're taken care of, not only in the present, but in the future, and even more so for eternity. Okay? 
make the most of that. So as they play, I just want you to just right there in your seats, just kind of close your eyes, pray to God, and ask God to speak to you in a way that the pastor can't, to show you, hey, Lord, what are you calling me to do in my family with my friends? And how do you want me to respond to this?